As you can tell by the table that's out this morning, we're going to be sharing communion together in just a, a little bit. And I have a, what I believe is probably a fairly short sermon. Um, well, I'm so thankful that I didn't get a rousing amen there. That was pretty cool. <laughs> no, that was, a, you know, you missed your opportunity for a rousing uh, jab, so... Amen. It's all right. I'm entitling this message Sacramental Supper. Sacramental Supper. The sacrament of the Lord's Supper is a picture of the gospel message of Jesus Christ. We're, we're to take communion in remembrance of what he did for us on the cross of Calvary. It, it, it is not just a picture of the gospel, but the sacrament of the Lord's Supper is a proclamation of the gospel as well. And maybe I might even say a reminder, uh, because we're supposed to do this in remembrance. The, Lord, uh, the Lord's Supper celebrates one of the greatest reversals in the history of mankind. And I want to teach, teach you about that for a few minutes. You know, one of the initial and most powerful reversals is that God's people uh, who were going uh, to death are now living in life. So you're going from death to life because of what Jesus did at the cross of Calvary. So if you have your Bibles with you, would you please turn to Matthew chapter 26. We're going to read a few scriptures and I want to exhort you just for a few minutes. And then we're going to share uh, the communion together this morning. Matthew chapter 26. When you get to your destination, say, I love the word. Love the word. Awesome. <clears throat> I'm going to start reading verse 17 uh, in the 26th chapter of the gospel according to Matthew. Verse 17, on the first day of the festival of unleavened bread, the disciples came to Jesus and asked, where do you want us to prepare the Passover meal for you? As you go into the city, he told them, you will see a certain man. Tell him, the teacher says, my time has come and I will eat the Passover meal with my disciples at your house. So the disciples did as Jesus told them and prepared the Passover meal there. When it was evening, Jesus sat down at the table with the twelve. And while they were eating, he said, I tell you the truth, one of you will betray me. Greatly distressed, each one asked in turn, am I the one, Lord? He replied, one of you who has just eaten from this bowl with me will betray me. For the Son of Man must die, as the scriptures declared long ago. But how terrible it will be for the one who betrays him. It would be far better for that man if he had never been born. Wow. Verse 25. Judas, the one who would betray him, also asked, Rabbi, am I the one? Interesting. And Jesus told him, you have said it. As they were eating, Jesus took some bread and blessed it. And then he broke it in pieces and gave it to the disciples, saying... Take, eat, excuse me, take this and eat it, for this is my body. And he took a cup of wine and gave thanks to God for it. He gave it to them and said, each of you drink from it, for this is my blood, which confirms the covenant between God and his people. It is poured out as a sacrifice to forgive the sins of many. Verse 29, mark my words, I will not drink wine again until the day I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. And then they sang a hymn and went out to the Mount of Olives. Bow your heads with me for just a moment, please. Father, thank you for your word. May it penetrate our hearts today. May it penetrate into our very spirit today. Change us, Lord. Mold us, shape us. Open our ears to hear, open our minds to understand, and please open our hearts to receive absolutely everything that you have for us today. In the name of Jesus, and everybody said, amen, amen. amen. 
Well, in Matthew 26, Jesus knows that he is about to die. Now, assume you were granted insight to the exact day and hour that you would die. What would you do with that last day and that last hour? Think about it for a moment. Let's start over here. How about in this section, give one or two people. If you, if you, knew, you knew you were going to die at a certain day and a certain hour, what would be the one thing that you'd want to make sure that you do before you die? Okay. Anybody else? How about in this section? What would you do if you knew exactly when you were going to die and you had the opportunity to live out that last day? What would you do? Anybody? Huh? See my family? Spend time with your family. Very good. How about right here? Pray like crazy? Is that what you said? All right. Just need to be sure, right? <laughs> I like it. I like it. I like it. Take BSC again. You'll be sure. It's all right. Anybody else? What would you do? Huh? All right. Very good. How about over in this section? Spend time with family. Anybody else? Skydiving. I was waiting for an, an, a, actually a non-religious answer. So skydiving. All right. Very, very cool. Bill, you going with her? And he's like, he, he's like, you know, I didn't get the memo about it being my last day. So <laughs> I don't want to hurry up the last day thing by jumping out of an airplane. Right, right. Well, Tim McGraw, speaking about what you just said, Tim McGraw recorded a song that was titled, Live Like You Were Dying. Oh, y'all are country fans. Oh, good. I'm glad to hear that. Praise the Lord. Uh, in the song, he answers this very question. I went skydiving. I went Rocky Mountain climbing. I went 2.7 seconds on a bull named Fu Manchu. And I loved deeper, and I spoke sweeter, and I gave forgiveness I'd been denying. And someday I hope you get the chance to live like you were dying. Wow, pretty powerful if you think about that. Now turn with me, if you will, to 1 Corinthians chapter 11. So pretty interesting you said skydiving. Is that on your bucket list to go skydiving? Maybe, 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 maybe. <laughs> uh, it's not on my bucket list, I'm just saying. <laughs> All right, 1 Corinthians chapter 11, I'm going to start with verse 23. For I pass on to you what I received from the Lord himself. On the night when he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took some bread and gave thanks to God for it. Then he broke it in pieces and said, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he took the cup of wine after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant between God and his people. An agreement confirmed with my blood. Do this in remembrance of me as often as you drink it. Verse 26. For every time you eat this bread and drink this cup, you are announcing the Lord's death until he comes. Remember that I said it is a picture of the gospel and not only a picture of the gospel, but a proclamation of the gospel. I wonder when the last time is that we took communion or shared communion together and recognized it as a moment that we were proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ. See, the Lord's, the Lord's Supper, as I said, is a picture of the gospel. But we need to realize this, and this is number one on your handout. The purpose of the Lord's Supper isn't to treat it with the somberness of a funeral dirge. We're supposed to celebrate in memory of him. You won't find anything in scripture that 
teaches us that communion is supposed to be this sad, forlorn, funeral-like ritual in the, in the church life. In fact, if you consider closely the gospel and the fact that in a few moments we're going to individually and corporately be proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ, there's no funeral dirge in that picture. I can celebrate life because of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Can I get a witness from somebody? Even when life is terrible and everything is going wrong, because of the gospel of Jesus Christ, what he did at the, his finished work at the cross of Calvary, of which we remember in communion, gives me an opportunity to, Yahoo! Huh? Which is not what I would be screaming when I jumped out of an airplane. of which I ain't never going to do. I never believe in doing sports that can hurt you. In both Luke 22, verse 19, and 1 Corinthians eleven twenty four, Jesus said, do this in remembrance of me. Do this in remembrance of me. We do that by recognizing the beauty of, of what would be called the once and for all sacrifice of Jesus Christ. Now, in Old Testament living, they had to sacrifice animals regularly to atone, if you will, cover their sins. And it was a very regular, multiple different types of sacrifices and different types of sacrifices for different types of sins. But Jesus became the ultimate sacrifice for us that was a once and for all, are you hearing me? A once and for all sacrifice to redeem me, to redeem you from the curse of our sins. A once and for all. Mm, I hope that you get this this morning. So we do... We remember in a celebration kind of way the once and for all sacrifice of Jesus Christ that took away all of our sins. Did you hear me? All of our sins yesterday, today, and tomorrow. Are you, listening? Are you still listening? And what did he do in that moment? He made us right with God. Now... Uh, all of us could probably line up together on the number of us that don't feel right with God for whatever reason. Past hurts, past wounds, past history. Uh, and I'm not just talking about past as in way back in childhood, but maybe even yesterday, maybe even this morning. And you don't feel right with God. I dare say that there's probably not many of us that regularly feel right with God. We, we work that out. We have to remind ourselves that we have become the righteousness of God through Christ Jesus. Through what? Through what Jesus Christ did at the cross of Calvary, of which we celebrate and remember today. That I have been made permanently and and completely right with God, not by anything that I have done, but by what he has done at the cross of Calvary. Are you hearing me? There's nothing that I can do to make myself be right with God. No amount of Bible reading, no amount of preaching, no amount of church attendance, no amount of, of giving of tithes and offering or whatever it may be, no amount of every time the doors are open, I'm at that church. No, 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 no. There's nothing I can do to make myself more right with God because I have been made completely right with God because of what Jesus Christ did at the cross of Calvary. It was his job completely, and we reap the benefits of it. Now, I don't know about you, but that's something to shout about. That's something to celebrate about. Are you hearing me? Praise the Lord. Now, okay, so number two on your, on your handout, the focus 
of communion is supposed to be on the Lamb of God and what He has done for us, not on us. The focus isn't supposed to be on us. The focus is supposed to be on Him and what He did for us. When we get a revelation of this, we're going to walk in greater victory than we've ever walked in before, knowing that we are completely right with God because of the blood of Jesus Christ. That's something to celebrate. We don't take communion with the old dirge. Da, da, da. Da, da, da. No. Sing, sing, sing. And make... Come on. So you have a you got to have a whole paradigm shift on how you approach communion. And we're going to do that today. Now don't take me wrong, I'm all for confession. I still believe in confession. Now we don't do confession as they would in the Catholic Church, but I'm talking about going to the Father in heaven and confessing. You know the, confessing your sins isn't just about a verbal assent to the fact that you've done wrong. It's about taking ownership of the fact that you have. That's important. Now, God doesn't love me anymore because I confess. He doesn't make me any cleaner because I confess. He doesn't make me any more righteous because I confess. Are you hearing me? He already did all that work once and for all. I'm already getting you in celebration mode just a little bit. And I'm also, I, I don't have a problem with repentance. So confession and repentance, I believe, are a part of the lifestyle of a Christian. Now, not with the, oh, no, no, sober, I am so bad, I am a worm. No, I'm a son of God. And I love my Father in heaven. Hey, when, when I do wrong to my bride... I don't just carry on in life not ever confessing and or repenting of that wrong just because I got the ring on and we're already hitched up. No. I go to my bride and I say, I need, you, I need to confess that I've done wrong. And I need to ask you to forgive me for having done wrong. We would do that with those that we love, specifically our spouses, but we need to recognize this is still a part of our life as a Christian, but don't let it be an anchor that makes you feel less than you are in the eyes of God. This is where confession and repentance has been used to browbeat and, and make people feel, feel condemned. There's no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Now, there is conviction, and I would say put out the welcome mat of conviction in front of the door of your heart. And say, Holy Spirit, convict me of my wrongs. He doesn't ever condemn us. We, Satan condemns us, and then we get on the gravy train of condemnation and, and then begin to feel less than qualified. And there's no amount of confession or repentance that will make you any more qualified. There's no amount of confession or repentance that will make you any cleaner. None whatsoever. You're already as clean as you're ever going to get in the eyes of God. I didn't say in your eyes. Huh? So we spend so much time, in fact, too much time examining our own unworthiness. Rather than celebrating the worthiness of Christ... And what he has done that made us worthy. Why would we use the time of communion to turn all the focus inward on our good or bad? Now it becomes the gospel of self. I'm not supposed to have take communion in remembrance of what I did wrong. I'm supposed to take communion in remembrance of what he did right. Amen. Huh? So we spend way too much time examining our own unworthiness rather than celebrating the worthiness of Christ and what he's done for, it, for us. Would you turn your Bibles, please, to Romans chapter 6. 
Romans chapter 6. I'm going to read verses 6 through 10. Everybody okay? Am I helping you yet? All right, good. Hallelujah. Romans chapter 6, verses 6 through 10. We know that our old sinful selves were crucified with Christ so that sin might lose its power in our lives. I need to read that again because there's a whole bunch of us in the room that don't know that our old sinful self was crucified with Christ. This is part of the gospel message, y'all. And what Jesus did in the finished work at Calvary. We know that our old sinful selves were crucified with Christ so that sin might lose its power in our lives. Is this a Bible-believing church? Or is this simply a self-worth-believing church? I choose to believe what the Bible has to say about me. Not what I have to say about me or my past says about me or what the devil has to say about me. Because my past and myself and the devil will constantly make me focus in on my unworthiness. Because there's nothing you or I could ever do to be worthy of the blood of Christ and the body of Christ. Nothing. He did it all. I wish somebody would shout amen in this house. Because he's done it all for us already. Let me get back to the scripture. We know. Do you know this? Do you know? We know that our old sinful selves were crucified with Christ so that sin might lose its power in our lives. We are no longer slaves to sin. Verse 7, for when we died with Christ, we were set free from the power of sin. Now, I'm going to imagine there's a lot of people in this room that do not feel, feel set free from the power of sin. Because you're still struggling with the same sins. And I'll tell you why you don't feel set free is because you don't know that your old sinful self with was crucified with Christ. That's what we're about to celebrate. That's what we're about to celebrate here in a few minutes. Listen, you can turn this from a funeral dirge into a celebration party and nothing flat by taking the communion, not based on your worthiness or unworthiness, but based on his worthiness and by the fact that the power of sin was put to death in you at the cross of Calvary with the finished work of Jesus Christ, which we celebrate and remember today. That's what communion's all about. Where'd I leave off? Verse 7. Now verse 8. And since we died with Christ, we know we also live with him. We are sure of this because Christ was raised from the dead and he will never die again. In the old sacrificial system in the Old Testament, animals had to die. I mean, there had to be multiple deaths. I can't even imagine what the church was like. It was a bloody mess. You wouldn't want to be a part of the cleaning ministry in the old temple. I'm just saying. <laughs> Thank God for the, my sister over here who's in charge of our father's house ministry. She says, well, I'm going to celebrate the death of Jesus today for sure. Because I don't have to clean up blood and stuff. And since we died with Christ, we know we will also live with him. Verse 9, we are sure of this. <coughs> Excuse me, because Christ was raised from the dead and he will never die again. That's something to celebrate. Death no longer has any power over him. Verse 10, when he died, he died once. Everybody say once. once. To break the power of sin. But now that he lives, say he lives. Yes. He lives for the glory of God. We're about to have a party here in a few minutes. Now, if you think about it, it is a slap in the face of the finished work of Jesus Christ on the cross to think that anything other than the blood of Jesus Christ qualifies us. 
It's, a, it's, it's as though you had the hammer in your hand and you're going to go through the communion through this self-defacing examination to see whether or not you are worthy. It's a slap in the face to the cross and the shed blood of Jesus Christ that is the only thing that cleanses you and the only thing that makes you worthy to do this. So it's a disgrace to the finished work of Jesus Christ that has qualified us. That's what has qualified us. That's what has qualified us. That's what has qualified us, and not just qualified us, but qualified us once and for all. I don't have to get qualified again. I can't ever be more qualified, and I'm never less qualified because of the blood of Jesus Christ. I choose to look at the cross and what Jesus did on the cross of Calvary in a celebration of the things that he rescued me from, the things that he saved me from, the death that he drug me out of and put me into life. I celebrate that. So in this remembrance that we're going to do today, it is not about you having the self-effacing, self-defacing, I can't take communion because I'm not qualified. He made you qualified. So hear me this morning, beloved. Communion is not about us. It ain't about you. It ain't about me. It ain't even about the church. It's just something we do. Because Jesus said, as often as you do this, do this in remembrance of me. If Jesus hadn't used the word doing it often, it probably wouldn't be a sacramental ritual. But just like everything else, the church takes ritual and ceremony, sacraments, religiousizes the act in such a way to make it iconic instead of Jesus iconic. We're not celebrating these elements. We're celebrating what they mean and what they stand for in our life. So the Lord's Supper is not about us. It's not about our track record. It's not about our good track record. It's not about our bad track record. Bad track record. It's not about some cleansing ritual through which happens at the sacramental supper. There's nothing about this sacramental supper that's going to make you any cleaner than what the blood of Jesus Christ at the cross of Calvary has already done. If we can get that into our heart, we will live a more victorious life in Jesus Christ because we will be lights of the gospel of Jesus Christ. But we are so caught up in self and our shortcomings and our failures and our faults that quite frankly, we're not much good to Christ. Because, oh, it got quiet in this church in that moment. See, the reason it got so quiet, you didn't like it that I said you're not too, that much good to Christ, once again, shows how much we make it about us. I'll put it this way I ain't much good without Christ. <laughs> Can I get a witness there? So it's not about some cleansing ritual through the sacramental supper. Instead, it's about what Jesus did for us. It should be more like a party than a funeral. Now, I didn't come out of my mother's womb, a Holy Ghost-filled preaching machine. I came out a sinner. And I lived a rot-gut life as a sinner. For years and years and years. And I can tell you what. This boy knew how to party. Mm-hmm. I could party all night long. I'd party until I puked and passed out. Rinse my mouth out and go party some more. Come on, somebody. Some of y'all been there. Huh? Yeah. I've smoked so much pot, I probably should be a chimney. <laughs> Absolutely. 
I fell in love with my wife on the night we met because she rolled a joint in a credit card receipt. And I went, that's the kind of woman I want. <laughs> I'll pay for that later on, I'm just saying. <laughs> What's my point? I, and I'm betting y'all knew how to party. I was the kind of guy, I, I'm a little, you know, uh, obsessive compulsive and I have some, you know, OD. I always say OCB, obsessive compulsive behaviors. I even had it back then. When I was going to party, I got everything all set. You know, I had my record player all ready and my albums all set out. And Dark Side of the Moon was definitely going to get played on both sides multiple times. <laughs> Candles all over. I prepared to party. I didn't just show up drunk. I got ready to be drunk. I got ready to be high. I figure I better, I better roll 20 joints now because I'm going to be so drunk later on I ain't going to be able to find the papers. Am I talking to anybody this morning? What am I saying? I knew how to, I was a professional partier. I partied well. I never went to a party. No, man, I couldn't wait to clock out on Friday evening because I'd already took care of everything I needed to take care of to go party. This is supposed to be more like a party than a funeral. Number three on your handout. Oh, I pray y'all get this today. The point of the Lord's Supper is to remind us how clean we already are. Amen. When's the last time you took the communion elements with the idea that you're already as clean as you ever get instead of the idea of I hope the Lord overlooks this dirty spot? The point of the Lord's Supper is to remind us of how clean we already are. The work was entirely of the Lord's. Oh, I love this part right here, and it's going to make me party big time in just a few minutes. He obliterated any record of the sins against us. Yeah, you should celebrate. Did you hear me? He obliterated any record. Of the sins against you. <clears throat> oh, I wish somebody would get a little happier about that. Colossians chapter 2 verses 13 through 14 says, You were dead because of your sins and because of your sinful nature. Excuse me. And because your sinful nature was not yet cut away. Then God made you alive with Christ for he forgave all our sins. He canceled the record of the charges against us and took it away by nailing it to the cross. Are you all hearing me today? And isn't it crazy with this in mind that we use communion as a time to remember all our sins? Think about it. That's a slap in the face to the cross. I'm not supposed to spend time remembering my sins. I'm supposed to spend time remembering what he did. That freed me from my sins. Huh? Turn your Bibles with me to Psalm. Chapter 103. Psalm 103. I'm going to read verses 8 through 12. Psalm 103, are you ready? Starting with verse 8, the Lord is compassionate and merciful, slow to get angry and filled with unfailing love. He will not constantly accuse us nor remain angry forever. He does not punish us for all our sins. He does not deal harshly with us as we deserve. 
For his unfailing love toward those who fear him is as great as the height of the heavens above the earth. He has removed our sins as far from us as the east is from the west. But we're going to try to go against the forces of supernatural stuff and gather up all the sins we can and bring them to the communion table in examination. All right, now turn with me to 2 Corinthians. Chapter 5. Second Corinthians chapter five, and I'm going to be reading verses 13 through 19. If it seems we are crazy, that'll preach right there, won't it? <laughs> if it seems we are crazy, it is to bring glory to God. And if we are in our right minds, it is for your benefit. Either way, Christ's love controls us. Since we believe that Christ died for all, we also believe that we have all died to our old life. He died for everyone so that those who receive his new life will no longer live for themselves. Instead, they will live for Christ who died and was raised for them. Verse 16. So we have stopped evaluating others from a human point of view. At one time, we thought of Christ merely from a human point of view. How differently we know him now. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone. A new life has begun. And all of this is a gift from God who brought us back to himself through Christ. And God has given us this task of reconciling people to him. For God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. Check it out. No longer counting people's sins against them. I wonder how many of us believe that. If he no longer counts our sins against us, why do we? I can tell you why. Because there is a, an entity called Lucifer, Satan, known as the accuser of the brothers and sisters. He accuses you to yourself. It makes you think of yourself as unworthy. Or that you've got to do some religious activity to get worthy. Then when he gets you to do those things, then he runs to God and accuses you before God. You should just accuse him. You should just, if you're going to confess and repent of anything, confess of listening to the enemy. Repent of listening to the enemy and begin to celebrate what Jesus Christ did for you at the cross of Calvary. It'll change how you live. So many Christians look like they've been soaking in a pickle barrel for most of their lives. <laughs> and I don't mean sweet pickles. And that's because you've been browbeat into believing that you're unworthy and that you have to live a lifestyle of remembrance of your self, self-loathing. Oh yeah, all I got to do is look in the mirror for a few short minutes and I can find lots of faults with Rick Lopez. My wife has to search really hard to find any faults in me, but uh, <laughs> she didn't even smile at me when I said that. I think I truly am in trouble later on. Number three on your handout. Oh, I did that one already, didn't I? Number four on our handout. God remembers our sins no more. 
So the Lord's Supper is the last place we should be remembering them. Isn't that interesting? Because it's often used as a part of communion for us to remember how unworthy we are, how wrong we are, and to get all that right before you receive the communion elements. You see, the unworthiness that's spoken of in the scripture about communion is to receive the communion without remembering what Jesus did for you. And I can't remember what Jesus did for me without it being a remembrance of celebration. I'm ecstatic about what Jesus did for me. I know my life and what my life was like before Jesus got a hold of me. And it was not a pretty picture. And I'd be willing to wager that's probably the same story for a lot of us in this room. So of all things, since God no longer... Here, here's, here's the definition of idiocy. Okay, God doesn't remember our sins, but we take it upon ourselves to remind him. What? Why? You know why you would feel like you need to remind him because you don't feel clean you know why you don't feel clean because you don't believe that what he did in the cross of calvary was a final work for you it was just a thing that created christianity so the lord's supper is a picture of the gospel i'm sharing the gospel with you this morning the lord's supper is a proclamation of the gospel now let's take one more step in this the Lord's Supper is known as the Last Supper because it was his last meal with his disciples before he was falsely arrested, went through a kangaroo-style trial, and went through the horrific, torturous uh, execution called crucifixion. And what if that was reversed? What if, instead of looking at it as the Last Supper, we looked at it as the First Supper. Huh? Think about it for a minute. Jesus, I think I'm about to hopefully give you some revelation. This is going to excite you. In the Garden of Eden, Satan perverted the word of God by convincing Eve to take an apple. In fact, he said to her, take it, eat it. It'll be good for you. Take and eat of the tree of knowledge and of good and evil. When Jesus was in the wilderness, Satan came to him in his hunger and he said, turn these stones into bread. Go ahead, take and eat. Are y'all getting it? Jesus reversed everything that Satan did. Because when he got with his disciples, he said, take and eat. Take some and eat. It is my body. It is my blood. Friends, number five on your handout, what were once words leading to condemnation are now words of salvation. There's the great reversal effect of communion. I wish somebody would give the Lord a praise in the house of God. Praise team, come on back up, please. The Lord's Supper is a picture of of the gospel. The Lord's Supper is a proclamation of the gospel. And the Lord's Supper has reversal effect. Think about this. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. I was blind. But now I see. I was bound and imprisoned by sin, but now I'm free. I was dead in my sins, but now I'm alive in Christ. 
I was once a victim, but now I'm a victor. I was once a loser on my way to hell, but now I'm a heaven-bound overcomer. I think we ought to celebrate the Lord's Supper in the house of God. Amen. There has been a reversal effect. Amazing, the song Amazing Grace pictures that reversal effect better than any other. So the praise team is going to uh, lead us in a song. And then we're gonna, I'm going to have my, elder, my ushers come forward. And we're going to pass the communion elements out. Now, they are double stacked. If you're visiting with us and do not knew, know this or have never had communion with us, they are double stacked. So when they bring the tray by, grab both. I'm not quite ready yet, gentlemen. I said in just a moment. I said in just a moment, I'll call you all forward. So. It's all right. It's all right. It's all right. That's being ready. Amen. Let's give our ushers a big hand. I mean, seriously. Amen. So when they pass the elements, you be sure and take both, both cups, okay? And hold on to them because then we're going to share communion together. Now, the team's going to lead us into a song, and then we're going, then I'll call the ushers up and pass the communion elements, and we'll receive the communion elements, and then we'll worship a little bit more. Now, just because this song is slower, I don't want you to consider or think about the fact that we're trying to create a contemplative, dramatic moment. We're not. This song really is, even though it's slower, the lyrics are very much about celebrating the fact that I, I am yours. You are mine. So if there's any contemplation at all during this, don't, don't contemplate about yourself. I gotta get this fixed before I go take communion. He already fixed it. If you contemplate about anything, a contemplate about the lyrics that'll be up here on the screen in relationship to what I've been teaching you this morning, and then we'll share communion together. So now I want you to dim the lights just a little bit. And I want us to just, um, we can participate, but just stay seated for a minute. And listen to the words of the song. Again, I, I, I do not revert back to the funeral style dirge that's often seen in the Lord's Supper. Stay focused on the fact that this is a celebration of what he has done. These lyrics very much come from a place of celebration for the gospel of Jesus Christ. Did y'all get communion elements or you want me to have one of the ushers bring them up to y'all? Y'all catch that? Y'all take it up there to them. So let's take a moment and let's reflect and uh, receive this song into your spirit.
lights up just a little bit. Have a seat, please. Thank you, praise team. Beautiful. You can keep playing. Our ushers will go ahead and come forward now. This is in remembrance of the finished work of Jesus Christ. I said the finished work of Jesus Christ. Finished work of Jesus Christ. The ushers are going to be coming by with the communion trays. Remember to reach in and grab both of the stacked cups. And they'll pass them all out at the same time. Hold on to them. We'll receive them all at the same time in just a few moments. Everybody gets one, is that right? please. as I am part while this is being passed out. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Think about it. Just as you are. Just as I am without This time as we're wrapping up the passing of the elements, if you're going to contemplate at all, let your contemplation be on what Christ did for you, that he did it once and for all. He's not going to the cross again. He's not going to be shedding blood again. That's why it's called the finished work of Jesus Christ at the cross of Calvary. Resolve note and hold the resolve note.
the bread and he said take eat this is my body thank you thank you thank you let's receive and in the same manner he took the cup that represented the new covenant in his blood. To cover and to forgive and to forget the sins of mankind for all of eternity. So we thank you, Lord Jesus, for going to the cross, shedding your blood, that we no longer have to be slaves to sin, because we can be free and he whom the sun sets free is free indeed let's receive the cup now stand with me please as we celebrate the communion the Lord's Supper praise God hallelujah come on come on come on yeah
Blessed be the name of Jesus. Praise God. I am free. I am clean. I am whole. Hallelujah. I'm a son of the living God. You are a son or a daughter of the living God. We have reason to celebrate this morning. Praise the name of Jesus. Wow. And now we got to do the worst thing of the day. Dismiss. This has been good, such a good, good time together. Hallelujah. Praise the name of Jesus.